0: Sean Lynn in the pub for a dram with friends where we talk about faith, family, food, and fun. Pull up a chair and I'll pour you a drink. Episode 47. We welcome Scripture Scholar, Dr. Michael Barber, into the pub. Sit back as I pour us a dram. I hope you are enjoying A Dram with Friends. Please like, subscribe, follow us on Heroic Men YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Please continue to pray for our mission or go to godsquad.ca to donate. All whiskeys are purchased by myself for use in the pub. Thank you as we continue with our episode. Welcome to another episode of A Dram with Friends. We are extremely blessed to welcome Dr. Michael Barber from the Augustine Institute into the pub. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me here.
0: So. I understand you're a Diet Coke guy, so I thought I'd go with the, <laughs> the rum today. I got an El Dorado eight year old that I wanted to try, so uh, uh, welcome.
1: Thanks, Thanks so, so much for having
0: me. me. It's, great it's great to be, to be with you. you. So, for our, our friends in the pub, uh, who is Dr. Michael Barber?
1: Well, I'm a professor at the Augustine Institute Graduate School of Theology here in. Greenwood Village Colorado which is just outside of Denver Um, I uh, I I love scripture study I'm the husband of Kimberly and the father of six beautiful kids ages 4 through 13 and uh, um, ever since I was a young teenager I knew I wanted to be a professor and teach scripture so I've just sort of been on that track uh, since I was pretty young and uh, I think I have the best job in the world, and I'm really grateful that I get
0: to do what I do. Well, I can think of worse places to teach as well. Uh, Denver area is beautiful. I've been down there a couple times. And, in fact, I camped in front of Tim Gray's house uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I guess it is now. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's beautiful down there.
1: Yeah, Tim Gray is a dear friend of mine. And it is an incredible blessing to, to work with him. And then so many others, uh, great scholars that we have here at the Graduate School, uh, Mark Giescheck, Brant Petrie, uh, John Seahorn, Elizabeth Klein, many others. It's, it's really an amazing place to be.
0: Yeah, friends of mine uh, moved down from Calgary to Denver and they, they feel like they've moved to the Catholic utopia of uh, <laughs> So. The Catholic
1: community in Denver is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. It's an incredible diocese. Uh, we have very full churches. Uh, confession is available pretty much any day of the week. You can always find confession in the morning, in the afternoon. You know, Many dioceses I've lived in, really, if you wanted to go to confession, your only option was like a Saturday. But uh, it's a, it's a just a very different story here. There's so many things happening, so many great apostolates. And in many ways, people trace it back to John Paul II's vi- famous visit here for World Youth Day. It seems like the ripples of that event are, are still being felt. It's,
0: it's uh, amazing. It, and it's amazing how many priests I've talked to that that was the moment that they realized that they were called to the priesthood by attending that, that right. priest, uh, World Youth Day and and many others uh we we took our children to world youth day in 2002 which was extremely memorable it was the last one pope john paul ii was at and it's uh right. it's it's funny how little thi- well it wasn't a little thing but how an event like that can start an avalanche as it were because denver is an abundance of riches when it comes to the catholic faith there and, right,
1: right. and we have great catholic history for example mother cabrini was here and there's the mother cabrini shrine for example so even aside from world youth day there's some great catholic history here and god has been very good to denver
0: well and, and there's lots of great catholic history in both our countries uh Uh, If you've been up north of the border, the churches in Montreal and Quebec City, it's just fascinating, the history. Unfortunately, at the time of this recording, we're struggling in Canada because Mm -hmm. the media is painting that history in a very dark manner, and the churches here are, are suffering. With vandalism, uh, I think we've had half a dozen churches burned to the ground in Canada, mm-hmm. so uh, it's it's important that people... Well, I was going
1: to say the Catholic Church is on fire here in Denver, but I meant that in a positive way, so. so...
0: Yeah, well, and that's what we're hoping to do here in Canada, in Calgary. We're very blessed, even though the churches have been attacked here in Calgary, we're, we're very blessed to have some some great young dynamic priests mm-hmm. uh, very very good diocese north of us in Edmonton uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the family Life Conference up there. Unfortunately we haven't had it for the last two years but it's it's kind of like a Catholic Woodstock where mm-hmm. you have all these Catholic families come and we we've had as great many parcels. What's that? Lots, Lots of, of great, great guitar, guitar solos? Oh, there, there's some of that. Uh, oh, okay. All Father, right. Father Stan Fortuna was doing that one year. And, uh, oh, okay. And, and uh, yeah, we've had great speakers over the years, and it, it's just a big field that everybody camps in, whether it's tents or trailers, or mm-hmm. and they make these little. So creating those communities, how coming out of COVID are we going to... rekindle those communities throughout both nations and around the world is because that's what i'm seeing we we were locked down a lot more than you down there but trying to get the butts back in the seat as it were Mm.
1: well for me one of the most important things to talk about is is salvation so i've written a book called salvation what every catholic should know and i really feel like that's at the crux of the gospel, right? What, what do I have to do to be saved? The rich young man says to Jesus. And it's sort of a, a weird situation to find ourselves in that uh, in, in, in the Creed, for example, if you go to Mass on Sunday, uh, you'll hear that the entire reason Jesus came down from heaven, the whole point of the incarnation was for us men and for our salvation. And yet we as Catholics, we don't talk about salvation. We have these wonderful euphemisms like going to heaven or something like that, which I think are really problematic and, 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 and almost dangerous, right? Because when you think of the goal of your life is simply going to heaven, well then, what you're subconsciously doing is you're you're putting off the gospel well yeah that's for when i go to heaven that's after i die that you know that's not the way the new testament talks the new testament doesn't talk about really doesn't talk about going to heaven it talks about what do i have to do to be saved and so we have this really weird situation where we talk about salvation being central in the creed against the whole point of the incarnation why did jesus come down from heaven why was he born at christmas for our salvation why did jesus die on the cross for our salvation why did he rise from the dead for our salvation it's all for our salvation but then you know if you were to go after mass immediately after saying those words uh to the parish hall let's say they have the uh, eighth sacrament of coffee and donuts after mass yeah we're all familiar with that if, if you were to go to the hall after mass and you were standing in line waiting for your coffee and donut And you heard somebody talking about how he wants to be saved, how he's being saved, how the gospel is the power of salvation, how Jesus is his Lord and Savior. I think a lot of Catholics would just imagine that that person talking that way in line was a non-Catholic visitor to the parish. Because we Catholics, we never talk about being saved or salvation. And I think that's really at the heart of the crisis we see in the church today is we, we get very preoccupied with these peripheral issues of whatever you want to fill in the blank. And, and we forget that at the heart of the gospel message, the heart of the creed is the issue of being saved. Well, and and so I think we need to talk more about that. And I think that's really at the heart of the crisis in the church today.
0: Well, and yeah, I I totally believe that that is the problem. It, it, the, this lie that... I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven. Uh, it, it's almost like the spirit in the sky. I got a friend in Jesus, and right. uh, uh, I've never sinned. So wasn't that at Woodstock? I don't. Yeah, remember. I don't know when he sang that, but yeah, yeah. It, Norman
1: Greenbaum. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and you, you listen to that, and you're going, "That's such a lie!" Like, I've never sinned. Like, I got a friend of Jesus. Well, that was the whole reason Jesus came is because we sinned. Right, And we right. need to, as Paul say, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Like, that doesn't sound like, oh, I'm okay. Uh, you know, I went to, got my sacraments, I'm good. Right? Like, right.
1: Well, I mean, that's a, a, at the heart of it, right? One of the issues that, so in my book, Salvation, whatever Catholics, you know, what I try to do is I highlight the the various misconceptions people have about salvation right so the the beginning of the book is what is salvation and then the following chapters are all what it's not right so one of the lies out there is salvation is inevitable now well you know everybody's going to go to heaven uh everybody's going to be saved and of course being saved is not just going to heaven (laughs) i really want to underscore that it's not just about going to heaven it's about being changed in this life and i think a lot of people just imagine that um they're going to be okay i'm okay you're okay everything's fine Uh, the reality is our lives are not fine and we're broken and we struggle and we need to repent and if we don't acknowledge that we need to be saved uh then we won't be because we think we're doing fine on our own and uh, we won't recognize the need for Jesus' power in our
0: lives so it's it it's interesting you how to approach that subject because I think part of the problem is we've we've got a bad rep for that, oh, you're a sinner and you're no good, you know, like that invitation versus that accusation. So Right. I
1: think it's important not to be accusatory because, of course, we're all sinners and uh, one of the key lies is that salvation is for everybody else. <laughs> and, uh, I don't need salvation. I'm really against sin. Uh, I'm really against all the problems in our society, which are committed by everybody other than me. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, and so, I, I don't want to accuse anybody. I just like to talk about what, what the Lord has done for me in my own life. You know, and that um, I mean, not to get into like graphic details or anything, but just to say that I recognize that I am broken that i'm a sinner and that i need to not just say oh i make mistakes i don't make mistakes i sin i know things are wrong and i know certain things are wrong and i do it anyway and that's a problem and it makes me miserable and the great gift of the gospel the good news is that i don't have to be miserable due to my sin Uh, that i can really find joy in salvation in the joy of christ and so I, I think talking about how Christ has changed us and how what Christ has meant for us, uh, meant to us, uh, is really, really important.
0: So you're personalizing it. You're you're making it about what Christ has done for you and that invitation that he can do that for you. Right. In, rather than that accusatory, right. you're, you're a sinner and you need to repent. So
1: The main main thing thing that I would say is, I I think most people understand this, Uh, I I want to love and to be loved. And uh, sometimes I've been uh, brought to great disappointment when people who I love haven't loved me in ways that I expected them to love me, or uh, I have been disappointed in myself for not loving in the ways that I want to i've let people down and i am ashamed and, and regret that but the great news of the gospel is that i can learn to love in ways that are truly supernatural because of the gift of christ because of his grace and i think that's something that everybody can relate to and understand right that
0: uh, well, it's, especially men that struggle with feelings of inadequacy or they they're not doing it right or they're not being valued in their role or sure just understanding that they are loved and Mm -hmm. they do make mistakes and and i i use the i don't know if you remember the bob carlisle song the saints are the sinners that fall down and get back up again Mm -hmm. and just use that that line that we all fall short it's just what we do with that and that that ready for the battle uh
1: actually fall into a kind of despair because they actually do believe that salvation is something that i do that salvation is really something that is on me so to speak um that in other words um we have to convince god that we're lovable i remember when i was a college professor uh now i just teach Graduate students at the Augustine Institute, but when I taught undergraduate students There was a a young woman who came to set up an appointment with me after a class I thought she had a question about the the Final paper that was coming up the term paper that was coming up or maybe the final exam She was from a devout Catholic family uh, And she was very involved in her parish at least in various outreach programs they had to the homeless She came to my office and it became very apparent that that was not what she wanted. She didn't wanna talk about the mechanics of the class. She basically told me, I'm not buying what you're selling. And what you're selling is that God loves us no matter what. And I know that God does not love me because I've done all these horrible things. I'm just trying to convince him that, that, that I can be better and that I can be worthy of his love. I mean, I had to sit down and just read her the prodigal son story which she heard a thousand times but never really understood right that it doesn't matter what you do there's nothing that you can do that will make god stop loving you i mean there's nothing you can do to convince god that you're unlovable and and i think a lot of catholics feel that way i think a lot of catholics feel shame over their past not just catholics people in general feel shame over their past and they they develop feelings of animosity towards religion, towards the Lord, because towards towards Jesus, be, because somewhere deep down they're convinced that they've disqualified themselves from His love, and nothing could be further from the truth. And so you know we really need to emphasize what Paul emphasizes, and that is, God loves us even when we're enemies of God. He sent Christ to die on the cross for us, right? So. I think that's a really important message to to proclaim and
0: to continue to witness to. Absolutely, and I I can't agree more that we need to get that message out, let people know that they are loved and lovable. Right. And as men and fathers, especially, like you said, you have six children. Right. That's where it's so important to have that fatherly image of a loving father because and you know you don't have to celebrate everything they do like they get a ribbon for brushing their teeth but they're just know that they are loved and
1: i mean the the other other side of that is that there are people who on the other side of the the pendulum the spectrum so to speak uh they'll say that well no God loves you so much that you really don't need to repent. Yeah. Right? That. You know, it, it, the, they'll even say things like, you know, the gospel is really hard. Uh, the church's teaching, Jesus' teaching is really hard. The church's teaching on marriage, on sexuality, for example, is really difficult. And so, you know, what we need to do is uh, you know, be more realistic, and we need to basically water down the church's teaching. We need to revise it. We need to make it more... Acceptable to a modern age something like that and that also misses a key aspect of salvation and that is God loves us just the way we are but his grace is powerful enough to change us Right and his love is not contingent on on us being different God loves us just the way we are but he also loves us too much to let us stay that way And so, you know, I always like to highlight the story of the rich young man who comes to Jesus What do I have to do to be saved? And then um, Jesus tells them what he has to do, and the disciples marvel at it. And they come back and they say to Jesus, "Who then can be saved?" And, and Jesus says, "With God, he says, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible." Right? With man, this is impossible. And so I think sometimes there's a an attempt to want to water down that aspect. Of The gospel maybe not to downplay that God loves us But on the other side of things say well, you know what God asks. So this isn't really much It's you know, we just have to we just have to have good feelings towards God or we have to have nice feelings towards other people No, what God is asking of us is humanly impossible But the reality is by his grace we can be transformed to become like him so we don't want to play down the power of grace to transform us and to change us uh, for the better. So we don't have to despair of our sin um, because God is able, to, God is more powerful than our sin. Do we really believe that? That's that's where faith comes in, right? That's where trust comes in.
0: And that's awesome. So yeah. as a father of six, uh, is there a, a dish that you prepare for the family that's the go-to favorite? Or, or? A dish?
1: <laughs> uh, Sean, um, I am such a bad cook that uh, I can't boil water without burning it. Uh, I'm terrible in, in, in the kitchen. I can heat up hot pockets. Uh, I've, I one time heated up a, a pizza, but um, no, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty helpless in the kitchen. My kids are astonishingly good cooks. Uh, I have a 13 year old boy who will make mozzarella cheese balls for you like you have never had in your life. They're astonishing. So they have quite a bit to teach me about, about cooking.
0: There you go. So yeah. it sounds like you need your 14-year-old to, to help show you a few recipes and uh, do some father-son time in the kitchen.
1: Oh, I, 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 I like to think that I have um, you know, things to teach my kids, but I know that they have things to teach me as well. And it's really beautiful when they get to that age where you know, they, they really are able to show you new things and to
0: um, surprise you. My oldest grandson, uh, he's gotten into the cooking and I, we've got our trailer out at their property in BC and so I got a, a nice uh, kettle cooker barbecue that he's quite oh, excited yeah. to, to use and experiment with. So. Uh, So one of the segments I do is, as you know, a lot of young men are struggling today in today's world, even knowing what a man is. Uh, What advice do you give your 18-year-old self?
1: Yeah, I mean, the number one thing that I like to emphasize is that a lot of people in the Catholic world want to talk about male spirituality or something like that and it often turns into a discussion of like culture war type stuff where it often becomes about how the world is your enemy and how other people are your biggest problem and you know or even you know well people will do all these things i think that are very very unhelpful um the catechism of the catholic church is a beautiful section called the battle of prayer and in that section, it, it, it tells you who our number one opponents are. It's the devil and it's ourselves, right? The number one opponent that you have, that you have really power over in a certain sense is yourself, right? Um, you're at you're at battle with the seven capital sins that are somewhere lurking in your soul and in your spiritual life. And so it is really foolish, I would, frequently tell my children this, it's really foolish to blame other people for your sinfulness. It's really foolish to uh, look for ways you can shift the responsibility of good conduct, of your you know, uh, need to pursue a virtuous and prayerful life. It's, it's really foolish to try to find other people to blame that on. It's the TV, it's the culture, it's the... No, it's you right be a man face your own sin and 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 learn to um come to grips with your own mistakes and I I hate calling them mistakes your own sins right and the other thing that I'd say is you can't do this apart from God's grace so the number one thing you need to do is to turn to him for help and so I try to model this for my kids, and I know I often fail because I'm a sinner, but you know, you you tell your kids to do X, Y, or Z and they don't do it. And you're like, didn't I tell you to be nicer to your sibling? Didn't I tell you you to clean up your closet last weekend? You didn't do it. And you can very quickly fall into um, the heresy of Pelagianism. Pelagianism uh, is named after a heretic named Pelagius who believed you could save yourself, right? You don't need God's grace. And so what I've learned to do with my kids is whenever they 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 fail, I sit them down and I ask them, the first question I say is, did you pray today? Did you ask God to help you this morning? Did you ask God to help you remember to do this thing that you were supposed to do? Did you ask God for help in um, responding better to a difficult you know, situation? Okay, well, that's your first mistake, right? Because... We do this all the time, you know, it's all the things that I need to do. And we forget that we need to rely on the Lord. So if we're not spending time every day in prayer, if we're not setting aside, you know, the the church fathers would say, the doctors would say, 20, 30, 45 minutes a day of mental prayer. where we're not just talking at God, but meditating on the scriptures, asking him to speak to us. If we're not doing that, then you are going to fail. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Uh, because you can't do this apart from his grace. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, um, apart from me, you can do only a few good things. No, he doesn't say that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we really believe that, then we need to be turning to him every day in prayer and relying on the grace that is there for us in our prayer life and in the sacraments. Otherwise, we shouldn't expect anything other than utter failure <laughs> from ourselves. So well, well, to really be a man, you need to recognize that you need help. You need God's help, and you need to confront your own sinfulness and take responsibility for it and repent.
0: And I, I use, obviously not in spiritual terms or whatever as a police officer, but when I'm dealing with situations and and conflicts, and as it were, you, you tell the pe- person who's the only one that you can change in this dynamic. That's you're right, not right. going to change the other person. You're not going to change the way they, the only one you can change is yourself and how you react to different yeah. situations. So That's right. It's it's important. And you can't
1: do that apart from God's help. So and you can have all the best intentions. You can make all the greatest resolutions in the world. But if you're not in daily prayer, and and not just, you know, rattling off our fathers and Hail Mary's, but, I mean, really meditating on the scriptures in a prayerful way, allowing him to speak to you. Prayer can't just be talking at God, right? It has to involve listening. So if you're not taking time every day to listen to the Lord and to have a real dialogue with him in prayer, then you might as well just hang up your spiritual spikes now because it's over. You are definitely going to fail. It's not about, you know, being really determined I'm not going to do
0: it. <laughs> That's where it's so exciting to see the success of Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year and people just getting into Scripture and getting into that habit. And uh, that brings us to our next segment. Uh, Jeff Cavins, who developed the Great Adventure Bible Timeline, mm-hmm. he talks about riding with your posse, so your go-to saints. Who are, mm-hmm. who, who would be your go-to saints?
1: Well, uh, my confirmation name is Stephen. Uh, I I have a great devotion to uh, the first martyr. We read about him in the book of Acts. Uh, He was a remarkable young man. It seems he was not particularly mature, uh, at least not in terms of biological development. Spiritually, it's another story. Uh, We read that he was a man of grace and wisdom. We know that he was Uh, able to refute those in the synagogues who uh, spoke against Jesus and then most astonishingly as he's being stoned to death he prays as Jesus did Lord do not hold this sin against them as Jesus said on the cross in, in the gospel of Luke Father forgive them and Saint Augustine said that had Stephen not prayed those words the church would not have been given the grace of the conversion of Saint Paul because it says right after Stephen says those words, do not hold this sin against them, it says that the men who stoned stone Stephen left their cloaks at the feet of Saul, who becomes Paul. So the only person named in the martyrdom of Stephen is, is Paul. So my number two go-to saint is St. Paul, wow. uh, who is the greatest missionary in the history of the church. But the only reason the church received the grace of St. Paul was because of the, uh, according to St. Augustine, the dying request of St. Stephen. Um, so it's only through suffering that we're going to bring about evangelization. It's only through suffering that we're going to be able to uh, enter into the mystery of, of Christ fully. And Stephen learns that, and Paul learns that. And so, I mean, those would be my number one and and, and number two saints that I'd turn to. Well,
0: thank, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Sure. And, uh, their inspirations. It's great learning about all the different saints. And uh, mm-hmm. I think our one of my board members, Deacon Stephen Robinson, he went down there to, to do a degree at the Augustine Institute. So I'm sure he'd uh, <laughs> agree with uh, St. Stephen. Uh, so the term whiskey comes from a Gaelic term called Ishqabaha, which means water of life. And uh, I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray that your work continues to lead many souls to the true water of life. And thank you again for joining us in the pub today.
1: Thanks so much for
0: having me. God bless you, Sean. And, oh, cancel. I was supposed to stop recording. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of A Dram with Friends. Like and subscribe. Go to all podcast platforms to look for it on podcast or go to godsquad.ca to support our mission.